0: I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, or one size fits all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable, you might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. For those of you that haven't been with us, we've been on a sermon series about the fruits of the spirit, but we've not gotten to the fruit of the spirit. I say fruits, the fruit of the spirit. We've not gotten to it yet. We're kind of, I don't know, building up to it. The title of the sermon series is From Faith to Fruit. So it's like that book. When I was a kid, I had the book with uh, Grover in it. At the end of this book, there's a monster. You remember that monster at the end of this book? Anybody read that? Am I the only one? OK, stick with me for a minute then. Uh, there's a book. And it's all about there's a monster at the end of this book and it's got Grover in it. And he's flipping through the book and he's like trying to get the reader, me, uh, f- that fourth wall breakdown. Don't turn the page. You're getting closer to the monster. And at the end of the book, guess who the monster is? Grover, because he's a monster, right? Um, that's kind of where this sermon series. We're going to get to it. There's fruit at the end of this sermon series. Maybe it's not the breakdown of the fruit. It's the recognition of what's going to occur in us when we get to the end of this. That's not anything I'm doing. It's the Holy Spirit, because here's how I know that. Because I've had an idea when we started how this thing was going to work out. He just wrecks it week to week. And then this week, I thought we were going to transition to and I just felt God say stop. Have you ever? So I I just recently watched the new Ghostbusters movies. Anybody watch the new Ghostbusters? Or some of y'all old be like, I ain't watching it. I refuse to because the old way was the right way. And don't mess it up. Well, there's something that happened in the new Ghostbusters movie because it's all fresh. It's his new family and they get um, inherit this home out in the middle and nowhere that one of the old Ghostbusters had given and he passed away. So it's his daughter and kids. So they don't know anything about. So they're finding these things and they don't understand what the ghost trap is. And I know this is weird. The pastor's preaching about Ghostbusters. Stick with me. I promise we'll make it somewhere. Ask somebody next to you. They'll just be like, yes, how we roll But as they find these things, they don't understand what they are. But as they speak to somebody who's been there, who knows, who watched uh, the Ghostbusters occur over the TV and in New York City, they're like, you didn't know what you had. Like, you don't know what that is. If you're a Star Wars person, like when they find the, in the new trilogy, when they find the lightsaber and all the things, they don't understand the power that they have in their hands until they get near somebody who understands what it is. So as we've been moving towards these, fruit of the Spirit, and even kind of touching on the gifts of the Spirit from the glossed over, I just felt like God was saying, stop. It's almost like the movie Flashback portion where somebody stops you and says, let me tell you about something. Let me get you back to the heart of what we're about to move into. You got to understand the purpose of this. So The two things that God really put on my heart today is we have to, first, before we get to the fruit. So we've talked about in the first couple weeks about the trees and and producing the fruit. And then we talked about last week the importance of when we taste it, we just carry it to people. Like when you taste it, you see. And then when you see, you have no choice but to want to take it to anybody and everybody. But I think we have to get back to two things today. And I want to talk about this as it pertains to the fruit of the Spirit. First, we need to know the source, and we're going to talk a little bit about the source. I, I was look, thinking back on my notes, and I, I try to keep all my notes and some books, and um, I think it's been three years now I, I did a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and we've grown and changed since then. So I, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things. I didn't even get in those notes. i just, I just trying to figure out when I did it, but I want to talk about some things today, and then i I'm, more importantly, not more importantly, same importance, because the the source is very important, is the purpose of the fruit. If you don't know the source and you don't know the purpose, then love, joy, peace, gentleness, all that is just kind of eh. it's good things. It's good ideas, because I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of weeks. And what you find is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, all those things are talked about in all of life. Do you agree? If you've never known Christ, you've been talked to about love, joy. Like the world is talking about it. The enemy is all his methods are not bad. You understand that? So then we have to get back to what is good. Because we're being sold counterfeit copies of these things. I and mean, if we don't know God and we come in and then I just start preaching about love, joy. Oh, yeah, I know about love. I know about joy. I know about peace. I've got it in me. I'm, I'm a good person. And this may be the first day you met God. But there's an establishment of where these things come from. Because you cannot value the fruit of the Spirit until you understand who the Spirit is. Y'all with me? Let's get into some work. We're going to start in Romans 8, 11. I was with the men yesterday, and uh, this scripture was kind of bubbling where we're at in conversation. I said, okay, I'm going to give you a brief glimpse into tomorrow's sermon. Uh, Rick, I didn't know at the time, that was just a piece of it. it the, the direction I went today went all off the rails, but as I was, uh, God was kind of stopping me. But this, this passage really stuck with me. It's been mentioned in two completely separate conversations this week and just really been bubbling in my spirit because I think we have to understand this. So Romans 8 and 11, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies Through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, but I need you to understand the power of this statement. And we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of this. My Bible's still getting broke in. Um, So I'm going to bounce up a little bit. We're going to start in verse one, but I want you to read this. And that all these are not going to be on your screen, but I want you to remember this scripture of the power of who dwells in you. Like, we've created this limited view of who the Holy Spirit is, and it's based off, once again, what we know before we come to Christ. How many of y'all remember the old Looney Tunes cartoons? And when a, a character was about to do something and he didn't know what decision to make, what always occurred? Who appeared? An angel and a devil. So we know who the devil is and that's who we created. So then in our knowledge in that moment, we talked about the first week, how knowledge is an arrival based on what you've been taught. Unknowingly, our knowledge then, as we begin to hear about this Holy Spirit, about this voice, this this access that once we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and wants us to do good things. Right. That's what that's the basic understanding of what the Holy Spirit is. Like now we have this access to this voice, this better way of doing things. So then in our knowledge, because it's hard thing to understand of like oh, this things inside of me, we flash back to childhood and we're like, oh, that's, it's the angel on my shoulder. So now, unknowingly to you, with the knowledge you've had and the knowledge you're using, this, which we... Okay, it's the big, green, or big red devil and the little angel on our shoulder. We put them on the same level. We do it. And then we teach that unknowingly. Well, you have some, two voices in your head and you got to learn to listen to the right one and the wrong one. And we've unknowingly, so now this broken mindset that we didn't put on paper we didn't teach it that way but this is the way it is because what we knew will always limit what he wants us to know what he wants us to learn what he wants us to grow in what did we say the first week knowledge was a place of arrival i know this but he wants us to get into that verb to know which is a constant place of growing and learning as you attach to his principles, his ways. And that's what this Holy Spirit is, a connection to a better way, the good way. So unknowingly, we've we've taught this and now it affects our prayer life because when we pray, we pray against the enemy that's on the same level as the one who can bring this. So now it's, oh, do I feel this pot up Do I feel like if I pray more against this, like, Instead of realizing that the Holy Spirit is not this voice on our shoulder that's contending with this. The Holy Spirit is not in a battle, a contention with this. You are. This is you. This is your knowledge of what's good. This is how much you know or listen to the Holy Spirit. Because your limited, voice, or limited ability to hear the Holy Spirit is on the same place as this. The Holy Spirit is always going to be above you, although it's in you. So stick with me here. So as we listen to these words, we listen to what Paul is saying to the church of Rome. Let me check you real quick. You've got to understand what dwells inside of you. So we go back to verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot of theology right here. A lot of like, oof, drinking from the fire hose. But there's amazing things that Jesus talked about when he was talking about a lot of the same things, he said the Holy Spirit will reveal to you things that you don't understand right now. Right? Jesus said that. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. So as you listen to this and you're like, oh, this is a lot, Pastor. I want you to know that this is just also speaking to the capacity and the access you have in the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't understand it, guess who you ask? The Holy Spirit. Now, he may put a pastor in your life, he may put a teacher in your life, he may put a brother in your life that's in that place. You may come to, Father, I need to know wisdom. I I don't truly understand this. And then you show up to a Bible study on Wednesday night and Richie's teaching on Mark and it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I just prayed for and now it's being revealed to me. Like, you could have come without praying, you could have come without knowing it. I can preach something, but the Holy Spirit is revealing whatever I'm preaching to you differently. Based off what you're needing to know, if you're very immature and I'm preaching something, you're going to grasp the the very small things. But it should never be your desire to stop growing because there's some mature Christians in the room that come to me after I preach like, man, I'd never thought of it from that perspective. And it's because the Holy Spirit, I'm not revealing it to you. Jesus asked the disciples who he was. And then he told Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I'm just flesh and blood. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit speaks to me to say something. Then the Holy Spirit in you, which is the same spirit that's in me, is revealing to you a place of growth and challenge for where you're at. Y'all with me? Okay. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I need you to hear that. Who walk not according to the flesh, or in other words, walk not in according to the knowledge you had before God. Now, that is that line in the sand. Whatever you knew before you met God for the first time, the first time you met this Christ who began to speak differently about you and to you. That is in the flesh. It could be good things that the world told you good. But it, God's version of good looks drastically different than the world's version of good. Let me Get back to where I was. But according to the spirit, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. So going back to that first week, the minds of the flesh is what you know. The mind of the spirit is learning what you don't. It is a constant desire to be in the presence. That's what you have, a presence of God inside you. And if you, how many of you have at least five questions you'd ask God right now if you had open access to him? I sat in a funeral yesterday, a celebration service, and the pastor who ministered did such an amazing job because he came up and he said, I know there's all of us are sitting here with four to five questions. And he asked those questions and he began to use scripture to get to it. Every one of us have a list of questions. How many of us have said at times, I just can't wait till I get to the other side and I can just ask God what he was thinking when he did this. It's all the time. This is an understanding moment is I'm not going to get that answer in the flesh. Why? Because I'm still asking it. Where I'm at right now, I can't answer that question. But if I walk in the spirit, I will get access to more and more and the questions less and less. I may not have the extreme answer because I don't have the mind of God, but I can assure you I get closer to it and I trust him a little bit more. Y'all with me? For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Death is arrival. Death is a finality. Death is a place where we're all going to get to some point. This body has an expiration date, whether we like it or not. It is a place of arrival. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life is continuous, ever-growing. So it's not a place of arrival. How many of you tomorrow wake up and you're like, I have no, de- no idea what the day holds for me? I have two teenagers now. Every day's that way. <laughs> Good Lord. But it's life. I wake up with breath in my body and I don't know what lies ahead of me, but I know I am going to walk into it. That's what this scripture is saying when you get down to the bear. When you trust God and begin to walk in the spirit, this voice, this power that lies inside you, there's something different that begins to occur. You begin to shed what you knew and you embrace what you don't. You're challenged to think differently. You release those things knowing that his ways are higher than ours. as the scripture says. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Now, this is, this is where we have to understand what we've known This is weird, right? This is hostile to God. But I was a good person, Pastor. Like, I did things for the homeless before I came. How is that hostile to God? Because it's limited. So now the limitations of good things are hostile to God because his things are higher. That's weird to think. We think hostile and we think uh, an attack, a fight, and all of that. But it's really just... It is an attack on his way for you, his growth for you, where he wants you to be. I'm getting back to it here. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. That's a big statement. If in fact... Spirit of God dwells in you. I that reflection, look in the mirror a moment. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, which this is it, because of sin, the Spirit of life, because of righteousness, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the Spirit of life, the one that raised Jesus from the dead. So now what we're saying in this moment is you have power inside of you. If you have the Spirit of God, if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, first off, you have to know you have a source of power. Period. How have we limited God in this capacity? How have we gotten to a place, even as Christians, where when we're praying, we pray differently and it's just we're we're begging and complaining and really, it's a conversation with power and authority that dwells inside of us. Look at how Jesus did it. Jesus says when in, in the word, he talks about, I'm sending something for you. So I'm going to jump over to John 16 real quick. The Gospel of John. We see the Gospel of John talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. But Jesus in John 16 says three things about the Holy Spirit when he's talking about who is coming in his space, who has been operating in him. Right? Because the moment he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him from heaven. Right? So the Spirit of God began to activate him. So the next three years of his life, we see the Holy Spirit moving through Jesus in that moment. And so he says, I got to get out of here because I'm going to open this up for everybody. I know I've been drinking the good stuff. Everybody's about to get access to all this. What's been stuck in the temple behind a beautiful veil and only the priest could get access to. I'm about to open up to all of you. Because he says this. This is in verse chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to convict you. Not convince you. Convict you. We get good at being convinced. Talking into. Getting just enough to say, okay, well, I guess I can believe that. I, if I stand up here and I try to talk you into Jesus, I'm trying to convince you because I do not have the ability to convict you. Unknowingly, I can condemn you. But the Holy Spirit wakes you up to something that looks different than what you've done or what you've seen is good. It's opening you up to what God says about you and where he wants you to be concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, he's going to reveal the enemy and he's going to reveal God. Skip down to verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you there. Bless you. It's not the moment you accept Christ, you just magically, oh, I know everything. That would be so much easier. If we just had zero questions to ask God, how much easier would life on earth be? Right? It would just be amazing. And then the last one, you have to understand this. He will glorify me in, in chapter 16, verse 14. So he's going to convict us of sin. In other words, he's going to open our eyes to the areas that we need to grow away from to release and let go of because it's not God. It is the devil. He's also going to guide us into truth. That is two different things as we are convicted and move away from something, because that's what conviction does. Conviction opens your eyes what you need to move away from. Truth tells you what you need to move towards. Bad, good, devil, God. Y'all see what I'm talking about? There's two sides, we have to understand this, and the Holy Spirit's gonna have you release from this to embrace this. That's where he's trying to get us. From glory, from the moment you took your first breath, Everything that happened to you to the moment you accept Christ, now to glory. I love that song. It says from glory to glory to glory, because we have to realize that, yes, we came from glory and we're trying to get to glory. But there's glory in the moment, too. That's the Holy Spirit that's within us. And then also, he will always glorify the way, the truth and the life that is. Jesus. So we have to understand, first and foremost, that. There was power within us. I didn't say this, but that's that's the title of this sermon: "Power from within." From within. Power from within. If you're taking notes, uh, John also says in his letter. He said in verse four, or chapter verse four, verse four in First John, he says, "Greater is He than is in me, than is in the world." There's a declaration of one and the other, and this is this and will always be greater than this. It's a very defined line of the source that is in me. So then I begin to think about this for an example. Because I want to use this passage Romans 8:28 and then we're going to connect some dots all the way back in creation and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about even something that maybe I have Misunderstood. So Romans 8:28, you know this passage. Maybe it's on your home, or on the wall in your home. But it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You, you have not spent any amount of time in church and not have heard that scripture before, right? Christians love to use it all the time, especially when things are going bad. If you have a death in the family, if you got someone sick, pastor's guaranteed gonna say that over you. For we know all things work together. I wanna focus in on a word together today. So I've preached this before. I've heard this preached. And as I went back into scripture, something new popped up. This is the Holy Spirit revealing something new to me. Remember I talked about few years ago, I talked uh, about when God was creating the heavens and the earth, he created the firmament. And the firmament is the layer between the heavens and the earth, right? And as he was creating things, when he created something, he always said, and it was good. But when he created the firmament, he said, and it is so. So I begin to look back into the word and what it says in Genesis when you begin to look at the story of creation it talks a lot about some things that as he makes them and unknowingly to me because I just glossed over this because I'd heard someone preach that and I really grabbed a hold of that you ever heard something preached and you just focus in on that one scripture and you're like oh that is so good if you haven't God bless you thank you for being diligent in your Bible studies. I got so focused in because it made it was so powerful in that moment to understand because the firmament represents this layer. And then the Bible talks a lot of times about the war that happens between heaven and the earth, right? That is the battlegrounds of what happens. Daniel prayed and it, for something and it took many days to get here. And he says there was a war that happened from the the answered prayer God answered his prayer but there was a war for that to get from here to here that occurred in that firmament there was a struggle and a battle John or Paul talked about it in the letters he said flesh and blood is not your enemy but the principalities and powers of the air so this space right here so it was value like when I heard him preach I was, oh that's so good because God knew when he created that what that was going to represent, that was going to represent the distance between us and God and always going to be that place of trying to overcome that. And the enemy has authority in there to try to prevent God from here and try to limit it. So then I began to look at even more over the last week. You know, he says so a lot. As he was creating when Moses was writing the Genesis and the ESV, it says and I'll read it a little bit to you because I want you to hear kind of how it goes. So in Genesis one, there's a couple different places, but let's say in verse eleven, and God said, "Let the earth sprout veg- vegetation, plant shielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is each seed in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. So we've been talking about the fruit, and I use this scripture. The next line is, "And it was so." The earth brought vegetation, plant shielding seed, according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. What's the difference between so and good? When He created it, it was so. The moment He spoke it into existence, it was so. It was good when it did what it was made to do. It wasn't good when, okay, the vegetation did, but the fruit didn't sprout. It was all of it, everything that he had spoken to existence in that group. God said it, it was so. And then the moment it occurred and began to work together, it was good. Let's read another one. I'm going to get to a point here. I promise you. You see, I had one and I see I didn't put this in my notes. I told you, I told somebody, They said, how are we going to do today? I said, God's been preaching to me all the way to church today. And God said in verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So now let's think about us created beings. We were created in his image And we were created the moment we were spoke. And it was so. He made man and woman in his image and they were good. They were really good. Why? Because in that space, I think this is where we have to come to where we are at in the history of man. Because of what occurred in Genesis 3, because of the sin that was committed, and we took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was good. The Bible says every tree, every vegetate, everything that came was good. And we talked about that just two weeks ago. The, The problem is we ate from one tree without understanding and taking first from the other tree. Because when you see good and evil through life, it has a whole new meaning. When you have access to what good and evil is through the Holy Spirit, the tree of life, it would look a lot different in our hearts. But it doesn't because we took that first. And that's where the enemy trapped us. So now in Genesis 3, sin is defined as the separation from God. A lot of people use that term. I like that because the moment we took that moment we sinned, We were separated from God. And what we all have to realize is now we exist in a culture, in a world that desires to separate us from God. And the moment we take our first breath, we were created and we are so. Now God's desire is for us to be good. And what has he done to make sure that happens? First, he sent his son to die for the sins that you'd committed or you will commit. And second, he doesn't want you to just stay there as, okay, well, you're released from your sin. He desires for you to be drawn back, just as Adam and Eve were in the garden, into a deeper relationship with him. Adam and Eve just walked with God, right? What's the first thing that happened when they took the the apple and they sinned? First, they noticed their differences, and then they hid from God. They removed themselves from the relationship of where their life existed. So now what we have to understand is we are so right here where we are. We're closer to him. But before you accept Christ, you were created and it was so. But as we become together with Christ and the Holy Spirit that now dwells inside of us, we move closer to God's good. Does this make sense for everybody? I told you this is I'm just I felt like I was drinking from the fire hose this morning. These are just notes that are just thrown all in my book. But I I begin to move in this place of like we have to understand what's in here, because if this fruit that we're desiring after the love, the joy and peace, then we get to a place where first we know what's in us and the access and the authority that lies in us, then we don't want a bargain basement fruit. You're not going to food line to get your fruit anymore. You're going to the freshest stand next to the field because you know it is going to be the sweetest, juiciest thing you could ever have. You don't want Smucker's jam and jelly. You want Mama's. <laughs> if your mama's never made jam and jelly, you don't know what that means. There is something when you pop that can for the first time, and it is just juicy if your mama made it right. If she ain't make it right, then y'all just check out of this. My grandpa can make some jams and jelly and vegetables. He jar them. Oh, man. My grandpa makes these jalapenos. I won't even buy store brand. If I can get granddad's with a spoon. There was something about homegrown. And when you take it to that place, the first time going back to what we said last week, the first time you taste and see what God said is good, you have zero desire to go back to the other way. But you got to understand who God is, because now when you meet Christ for the first time, you begin to say, "Okay, I now have the God of the universe in me. And when this voice speaks, I better lay down everything I'm doing. I better lay down everything I've known and I have to respond in such a way that speaks authority of this voice over me. Just because it's in me does not give the outer me authority over that. Well, I hear you, God, but I'm just tired right now. Or I really, I really enjoy doing this, so I know you're new, God, and I know this thing's kind of new, but uh, what if your marriage was that way? How many marriages would still be alive today? At the moment you said i do, you go home that night, and you're like, yeah, I know we said i do, but <sighs> there's this girl down the street. She was really cute, and I really like her. We've had a lot of conversation. I'm going to go hang out with her. I, we'll get to know each other, okay? But I want to spend more time... I'm, I'm, it's, I'm married to you. I mean, I got a ring and I prove it. But Sally's cool. Like, I want to go spend time with her. That's what your relationship with God looks like. One doesn't make sense, yet we live out the other. I've accepted Christ. I've, I've said the prayer of repentance. And I'm going to get baptized. But I'm going to go mess around with so-and-so. Is that not what we do? because we don't see the purpose of this new connection, the divine authority of the God within us, if we believe this God in us, the spirit of God that's in us created everything, then it should stop you in your tracks when he speaks. It should (laughs) lay you out sometimes. But it doesn't. We. Well, the voice of the Lord is speaking. Hmm, Thank you, Lord. Right? We are very. I don't even know the word to speak. But it's like Peter, the voice that was speaking to him was coming from Jesus's manifestation. The Holy Spirit speaking to you like Peter, come on. If the voice of God spoke to me, done, not even thinking twice about it. Why don't we respond in the same way? Because we don't give the power and authority. We don't understand the source that lies into us. The second thing I want to talk about today, so once we understand the source, we understand this God in us, then we understand now where this fruit that we want comes from. And we, we want the different fruit. We don't want just a bargain basement. We want the depth, the, the fruit that can really minister and, and feed us in a way. The second thing is the purpose. I want to read this scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And this gets in with the gifts because the purpose we have to understand is we love to talk about the gifts or maybe we don't talk about the gifts because we don't understand the gifts and that's an awkward place too. One of the most divided places in the Christian church today, I believe, is the understanding and the pursuit of the gifts. When Paul's talking to a bunch of people in Corinthians, if you don't know Corinth at the time, Corinth was a jacked up place, okay? There was a lot of stuff going on. That's why he had to write two letters to them. If he's telling them you need to pursue the gifts, Why aren't we pursuing the gifts? Amen? Because what was the purpose of the gifts? First, it's to edify and grow the church to help you realize, what did the gifts do when Jesus did the gifts? Two things. The 12 dudes that were walking with him understood the power and authority that dwelled in Christ. Amen? He is who he says he is. Second, it revealed to those who didn't know Christ this... Christ just walked into the scene all of a sudden. I don't know who this dude is, and he just healed this girl. Now it's a revelation of, wow, there's something in him I got to get closer to. So the gifts serve to do two things. First, to grow our faith, to edify the church, to make us want more. To under- okay, I knew he did this, but oh, he did that too? Bam, God is bigger than what I thought he was. Second is to reveal those who don't know him that there is a God who loves them and appreciates them and values them. That's the purpose of the gifts. It is always the Holy Spirit was to do three things. What? Convict, take you into all truth and glorify Jesus. Amen. If the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't do those three things, then don't do them because they're from the wrong wrong person. It's the same thing with the fruit. But in Corinthians, Paul talks to them and he talks about in, in chapter 12, about a lot of things. He talks about the spiritual gifts and then in in the beginning of chapter 12, and then he goes into the body with many members who we've talked about so many times as the church is a body, all of us moving together. And if one's hurt or broken, then if the elbow's broke, the arm don't move like it should. It is desire, not in membership, to be about what you get, it's where you fit. It's finding your space in the church to advance the kingdom. Nod your heads in agreeance. Even if you don't, stay with me. There we go. But you get down to the end. In chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, question mark? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. What's it saying is you may not have it, but desire it. Why? Because it is for you to grow closer to him. If you're getting closer to this, there should be manifestations of this to help you to grow and to reveal to somebody out there of who he is. And I will show you a still more excellent way. See, this is what we have to understand, is the pursuit, the desire for the gifts is good. It is God drawing us new, but there is still a more excellent way than just pursuing gifts in your life. What is it? Gets right into verse or chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, in other words, if I use a gift but have not fruit, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift and no fruit, I am driving people away instead of drawing people in. If there's no gifts being handed out in the church, it's because there's no posture of fruit. Because why would God give us anything that's going to drive people away? And we sit around and we're like, well, there's no gifts here. It's because we don't look at what the purpose of the fruit is. I see people in church all the time, I've seen people driven away in church, why? Because they exercised in gifts and moments and they had zero desire to produce the fruit that gives them the aim and the proper posture to demonstrate truth and revelation of who Jesus is. Instead, it edifies who they are. If you ever put your gift on Front Street and it celebrates who you are, it ain't the Holy Spirit. Go read that word, period. I can set it. If you want to put anybody on me, that's okay. I refuse to see any man or woman who is celebrated in their gift, and it does not celebrate the Holy Spirit inside of them that is edifying and convicting and bringing truth of who Jesus is. Because then your desire is, man, I I am a pastor as as someone in the body who's witnessed the gifts. And I've seen people healed and I've seen lives change. You don't know how much I want to see that, not in this building, but around. Like when people walking into rooms, just boom, there's something about you. I would love to get to a place in the way Jesus operated or the disciples operated. Why? Because there was such a connection to the Holy Spirit and the power and authority they knew that was in them. They sat in a room for weeks on end just praying and getting locked into the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he was about to blow the doors off that place. It took time. It took connection. It took working together. What does that scripture say? All things work together for the good. Not all things work. All things have to work together. Because Paul said it specifically right there. You may have a gift, you may have a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, but all the gifts are different. But once our alignment is in the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of us, you know what? When Robert begins to prophesy over somebody, my feelings aren't getting hurt. I'm not offended at God because he didn't give me that gift because my alignment is the fruit and I have love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. And in that moment, I say somebody's about to get something they need to get. And I don't have to be the one that gives it to them because the Holy Spirit's speaking through him. We stop celebrating the gift carriers and we start praying for the gifts to be given. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 10 is good. I'm not going to read all of it. But we, I use this scripture just in a, a funeral I preached. And we use it quite often when people pass. And it talks about, from a perspective of this, but I think it's so much deeper. And it talks about to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Father, right? And we desire to leave this body. And, oh, the chains and the slavery of this body. It's so limited. I just want to get to heaven, right? We write songs all about it. I think there's so much more to that to understand that even here, if you read into that passage, it talks about even in here to be absent from the body is to separate what you've known and to be in the presence of the father, which is you have access to right here on earth is the Holy Spirit inside of you. We want to get there, but he's like, I told you I'm here. That's promised to you, but why are you not tapping into the me right here? I'm even challenge you in this perspective. See, we've we've, you know what words not in the Bible that the church is also one of the biggest dividing points in church. Trinity. It's not. I was raised in oneness church. You didn't use Trinity. It was a cuss word. How dare they? It's one God. How can we split them into three? And there's modes and persons and we find all these things. And then at one point, the church recognized that word. You know what Trinity really is? It is man's need to to understand this capacity of God. And what do we understand? We understand a father and a son mentality. Why? Because it's who we are. And then whatever is left, what's on it, we have to understand from spirit form. We're going to get to the other side and realize, yes, that's good. But wow, we're going to have our mind blown by how it really looked. Because unknowing lust, we give more power and authority to the father, right? Because fathers have more power and authority in the son. It is all one. There is no split personalities in God. They're not operating on different things. That's why the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus because they are the same. Isn't God speaking out of one side of his mouth and doing something else? I love that God brought me up in oneness. And then he connected me to a Pentecostal holiness church that, that spoke in Trinity. Why? Because I realized that they're saying the same things. They just refuse to say it in the same terms. But when you tap into the fruit, you realize it's bigger than that. When you tap into that and you begin to move, the purpose then of the fruit is for the growth of the body. First, we got to understand what the fruit provides to us. We got to taste it so we can see. So then we can start taking it to a world who needs it. Your fruit will position you for gifts to reveal him. But it ain't your fruit. It ain't the good that you've been told is good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I hate that Scott's not in here to hear this because there's a movie you watch. But 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. There's a movie that we've watched uh, and they always say, for the greater good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they, every time they say it, it's for this home or neighborhood watch program. They'll say it's for the greater good and everybody in the room, the greater good. <laughs> it's kind of like that in church, right? And like, it's for the common good and everybody goes, the common good. The common good is not what you want, it's what we need. The common good is what God wants us to have. The common good goes back to creation. Just the fact that we created is not good. The fact that we begin to work together with the Holy Spirit to get us closer to what we were made to do. Then he begins to look at us and say, not only are they good, but they are very good. I had a whole lot of other stuff, notes that I'm not going to get to today. I want to finish with this, because as we do move, we are going to move to the fruit of the Spirit. There's even discussions over how many fruits there are. Do you all know this? Bible lists nine. For me, that's, not, that's enough for me. That's less studying. I, I, we have some people here who have been raised in the Catholic faith. How many does a Catholic have? Twelve. I began to think about it. Okay. My old me was like, oh, the Catholic, they're just adding to the Bible to make them think they're really up the up and they've got more. But then I began to think. I looked at what the three were. Here's the three extras. Charity, chastity, and generosity. All three are actions. All three are responses. You know what this spoke to me to say is? The nine fruit you're going to talk about, the nine fruit I give you, are not responses. It has to be who you are. Because the good that you knew, well, I love this way. That ain't God's love. God's loves; his actions flow out of his love. His actions are not love. the peace that passes all understanding. It's not an action, it is the presence. See, it's moments like these that we misunderstand and we pursue actions. We want to get, I want to love better. I want to give joy. But it's not. It is a settling in your spirit of a submission to the voice and the God that lies inside you now to understand that I need this fruit in my life so that I can just exist and become a tree where when people are around me, they experience it. It falls from my trees, it grows on me, and I don't have to tell them what fruit I got. They begin to to see it. Okay, I'm going to try to finish it up here. We don't understand what we have. Kiki, you may be our our newest person to come to Christ. Let me tell you today, you have the same access that I've been, and I've been doing this for a long time. The moment Jesus hung in said his head and said, it is finished, the veil torn and there wasn't a line that developed for you get a little bit of Jesus, you get a little bit of Jesus. Oh, I got two helping, so I got more access. No. You have been given all access to all of heaven. If you ain't tapping into it, it's your fault because you ain't using the access you've been given. That's what we got to understand going into the fruit. You've been given the access to the fruit. Where does that source come from? The God on high the creator of the universe, the new fresh breath that is in your lungs. I read something this week, Yahweh. When Yahweh was immediately passed down, when Moses asked him, what's your name? And that name was given to Moses. It didn't have vowels in it, just Y-H-W-H. And then we added vowels to make it all pretty. But it said what it really represented was almost a breathing out and breathing in and a letting out Yah. Way. Yah. Way. In other words, I am in the breath you let in and in the breath you let out. I am in everything. I am in the moment in the first breath you take, and I will be there in the last one you take. That's the God I want you to know that lies on the inside of you today. You have access. You have been given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Let that challenge you. Let that stretch you. Let that sink in this week. You'll pray differently. You'll read your Bible differently. And you'll seek after him differently. Once my kids knew they had access to my cupboard, they ain't afraid to get anything in it. That's where he wants the church to be. That's when you begin to find out that his fruit's in there. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Search for them fruit. Listen to that voice and tell that other one you don't know who you're messing with. God bless you.